This is Lucy Middleton, the voice of Amanda in Once Upon a Wasteland. Before we start the episode, I'd like to take a moment to let you know about our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash once upon a wasteland. It's a great way to support the show and get some perks too, including behind the scenes content, access to a private discord server, and some cool merch. Now, let's see what kind of trouble I get into in this episode. Thanks for listening. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. This is their story. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 2, Wherefore We Are Lost. Still doing okay? I suppose so, given the circumstances. Are you thirsty? I can get you some water while we wait. That would be lovely. Bring some water for our guests, please. Thank you. So, I'm a guest? What do you mean? I'm not a prisoner. I have to admit, being in a castle makes me a bit nervous. Castles tend to have dungeons, don't they? <laughs> they do, and Corbinick is no exception. But you're not a prisoner. Far from it. I just wanted to get you someplace safe while we figure out what's going on, and there's no place safer than this. You're free to leave if you'd like, but it's probably not the best idea. I think you're right about that. I still feel... I don't know. Not myself? Which is quite something considering I don't even know who I am. Does that make sense? No, but we'll figure it out. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to be presumptuous, but... Would it be possible to get a change of clothes? These are still wet from my little, uh, nap. And it's not comfortable. I'm sure Louisa will be able to give you something to wear. Don't worry about that. Is that who we're waiting for? Louisa? Louisa Corbin, yes. She should be back soon. She was all the way on the other side of town. We're just waiting for her and... Eamon, what's so important you pulled me out of a council session? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Miss... She doesn't know huh. her name. Okay. Um, is Louisa on her way? I sent Gerald to get her. Should be back any time. Good. You can explain all this when she gets here. Is there anything we can get you? Are, are you comfortable? No, 
Thank you. And yes, I am. Well, aside from needing a bath and a change of clothes, I suppose. Eamon has been very attentive. Good, good. And I see you're already halfway to being on a first-name basis. <laughs> so we are. Johnstone. I'm the sheriff here in Graltzburg. Eamon here is my top deputy. It's nice to meet you. You as well. Louisa, I'm so glad you're here. What's going on, John? Gerald wouldn't tell me anything. And you'd think he would have mentioned a visitor. I don't know. I just got here myself. I'm sorry for all the secrecy, Mrs. Corbin. I think you'll understand when I tell you what happened. Uh, I don't know much more than you do at this point. Barrett and I were on our normal morning rounds. Bail patrol. Nothing out of the ordinary until... Well, uh, until we found her. She was passed out maybe ten feet from the veil. I figured she was at the ball, had a few too many, and wandered out without anyone noticing. But then... But then you didn't recognize her. Yeah. We woke her up and tried to figure out who she was, where she came from. But I can't remember anything. Not my name, not how I got here. I don't even know where here is. I'm so sorry. We've been talking about you as if you weren't even here. It's alright. If this is half as confusing for you as it is for me, I can certainly empathize. Your accent. It's not one I've ever heard before. I don't know where you're from, but you're definitely not from around here. And that is deeply concerning. That's not all. Miss, can you show Mrs. Corbin and Sheriff Stone your arm? Are you injured? I can get the doctors. Oh, oh my. Is that? I think so, but you're the expert. I tried to see if I could take it off her, but it, well, it zapped me. What is this thing? It may have zapped Eamon, but it's not hurting me at all. In fact, I almost forgot I was wearing it in all the commotion. But I can't take it off either. That, my dear, appears to be one of the bracers of Paradeer. Am I supposed to know what that is? No. Sometimes I wonder if even I know. The bracers are a matched set. The left one has been in the Corbin family for centuries. My late husband wore it, and now our son Adrian has it. The right one, though, well, that one's been lost for just as long. Until now. Well, you're welcome to it. How do I take it off? That may present a problem. Based on what we've seen, the only way a bracer can be removed... Ah, uh, just tell her. She's gonna find out at some point. As far as we know, the bracer stays attached until the wearer dies. Then it imprints on the first person to touch it. Is that what happened to me? It imprinted on me and now I can't take it off until I'm dead? It's okay. We'll get this figured out. There are several variables at play here. The biggest one is that we've never had both bracers together before. They're a set. Maybe we'll be able to transfer it to Adrian somehow. Somehow? You're not exactly inspiring confidence here. This is uncharted territory, even for us. But we have people who are experts on these artifacts, and they'll be able to help. I promise. <sighs> okay, I'm sorry for getting upset. You're doing fine. 
I'm surprised you're holding things together as well as you are, considering I'd be a total mess. <laughs> Thank you. Let's get you something clean and dry to wear, and something to eat if you're feeling up to it. You're our guest at Corbenic, and you're welcome to everything it has to offer. And who knows? Maybe your memories will come flooding back with time and some rest. But no matter what, we're going to take care of you. Eamon, Diana should be upstairs. Can you take our guest to her? She's to provide everything she needs. Have her prepare one of the guest rooms. No matter how long her stay with us is, it's going to be a comfortable one. Of course. Thank you again. You've been so kind, Mrs. Corbin. Please call me Louisa, and I think that you'll find that Grotzberg is a very kind place. Corbinic Castle especially so. <sighs> well, what do you think? It's not just that I've never seen her here before. I've never seen anyone like her anywhere before. That accent. And she's so tall. Wait, you don't think... No, I don't. At least not yet. It's just a hell of a conclusion to jump to at this point. Uh, hmm. Yeah, you're right. We need to deal with what we know. There's not much of that right now, but one thing I can't say with certainty is that she was telling the truth. At least as far as she knows. I didn't read any dishonesty at all. She's concerned, confused, but she still carried herself like, well, um... Like a Pandolfi? <laughs> Maybe she's your long-lost sister. Got frozen in a block of ice or something. Sorry. No missing siblings that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure my parents would have reported that to your office, Sheriff. <laughs> I guess you're right. Uh, are we gonna talk about the elephant in the room? I don't think Elias would be happy if he found out you called him an elephant. Oh, I've called him worse. <laughs> As have I. To his face, even. This is gonna get out. Hell, I'm surprised he isn't banging on your door already. We need to get in front of it so we can protect her. And protect you. I'll handle Elias. I need to talk to Adrian and Sylvia about this before I take any action, though. Of course. This affects them as much as it does you. If not more. What are you going to do with our guest in the meantime? I don't want to overwhelm her. Poor thing's been through so much already. And that's just considering what little she remembers. I'm going to let her relax. I wonder if her memory loss was triggered by the bracer. Could be. Or it could be correlation without causation. <laughs> Which is my least favorite logical fallacy. Mine as well. The veil stayed quiet for 500 years. Why now? Elias will think it's a sign. Elias thinks everything is a sign. This time... He might be right. I know, but a sign of what? Did you notice her left hand, by the way? Mm-hmm, I did. A ring. Someone out there is missing her. I just hope that someone doesn't come looking for her. One outsider is quite enough. Nice though she may be. Oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I posted extra guards at the Vale just to be safe. 
but we didn't notice anything out of the ordinary before or after she uh, appeared. Whatever's going on, well, it's got me stumped. But at least if anybody else comes through, we'll be ready for him. Oh, one other thing. Uh, what now? If she still can't remember her name, you're gonna have to come up with one. I can't keep calling her Miss. It's weird. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Sylvia, what are you doing all the way out here? I could ask you the same thing, Eric. Isn't this a little spooky for you? <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. I guess I'm surprised that you're this far outside of town. And with no guards. What's wrong? Afraid I'm going to be kidnapped by a band of veil wraiths? Don't joke about that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll be sure not to joke about any imaginary creatures in your presence anymore. Do you only believe in things you've seen with your own two eyes? No, but I'm a bit more... Uh, discerning when it comes to which sources I trust. Just be careful, okay? Even if you don't believe in veil wraiths, things can still get dangerous out here. Eric Blackhall, are you... Worried about me? Maybe I am. What's wrong with that? Uh, you'd better not let your father hear you say that. I'm not my father. I thought you understood that by now. Yes, I'm a black hall with all the baggage that implies. But just because our families are on opposite sides, it doesn't mean we have to be. Can I just be Eric to you? I'm just teasing you. I didn't mean that- I know. If it makes you feel any better, you are just Eric to me. I have to close my eyes though. The robes are a dead giveaway that you're a black hall. Okay, okay. The robes are part of the baggage, I guess. It's okay. They look good on you. I can probably sneak you in to see Adrian's tailor if you want though. He'll have you runway ready in no time. Uh, thanks, but I don't think I'll be going to any society balls anytime soon. I probably could have talked them into giving you an invite if you'd wanted one. As long as you left your dad at home, of course. <laughs> of course. Those things aren't a style anyway. Not that they're mine either, but at least I would have enjoyed the company. Assuming you wouldn't have just been flitting about the whole time. Oh, is that what I do? Flit? Sometimes. I may not get to go to society functions, but I've still seen you in action. You're like an unstoppable charm tornado when you're around people. Just when I'm around people? What about when I'm around one person? Uh, I'd say you're still pretty charming. But not unstoppable? Don't push it. <laughs> okay. So what are you doing out here? I just wanted to explore a little bit. It feels like I have fewer and fewer opportunities to just walk around and see Graltzberg. Gilded Cage losing some of its luster? Don't be so dramatic. I know this is all just part of being a Corbin. And really, if I'm being honest, it's pretty great. It's a lot tougher on Adrian. Yeah. Being the second born has its advantages. 
It's nice not to have a mystical artifact attached to my arm for the rest of my life. You want to talk baggage? I mean, sure, there's plenty of it attached to the Black Hall name, and it's not like we don't have our share, too. But that damn bracer? It's not just the artifact itself. It's what it represents. What it means to people. The symbolic power it carries is stronger than whatever else it can do. My mother would kill me if she knew I was talking about this with you. I won't tell her. (laughs) Good, good. I'm sure it would have come up eventually, given how often you two talk. Hey, I'm hoping to break double-digit words spoken to her this year. Didn't you say that last year? I did, but I have a good feeling about it this time. So, did you find anything interesting? Not really. But if I keep looking, I'm bound to at some point, right? And even if I don't find anything pleasant, I'll at least find something new. That's the spirit. Say what you will about my family and I probably wouldn't be able to argue with any of it. But we always want to learn. To explore. To discover. Yeah, so you can find more artifacts and awaken an elder god to... Wait, why do you want to awaken it again? It's a long story. I've got time. Basically, we believe it's a matter of inescapable fate. We can neither prevent it nor even fully comprehend it. And it's our duty to embrace that fate. Yes, yes, that's the company line, and I've heard it a hundred times. There's got to be more to it than that. There is. We don't talk about it, but yeah, it's not just embracing the inevitable. I've read through the text. Maybe even more than my father has. It's hard to get a firm handle on, but there's a lot to it. There's curiosity, hubris, even cosmic indifference. Cosmic indifference? The idea that we're insignificant in the vast indifferent cosmos. This is something you'll never hear my father say publicly, but some of the texts talk about catastrophic consequences of bringing these things back. And it's all in the service to the idea of the fertility of human endeavors when looked at in the cosmic perspective. Eric, you're... scaring me. This is... It's just words. Old words written by people who died centuries ago. But what do you think? I think that there's the potential for good to come from what we're doing. There are four artifacts, right? And we've seen what they can do. Especially your brother's bracer. Adrian and the land are one and that is a very real thing. Your family's stewardship of that bracer is a big reason why Grawlsberg has flourished the way it has. It's not just the bracer. I know, I didn't mean to imply that. You've been good leaders. (sighs) I'm no leader. I'm just a vapid society girl. That's what everybody thinks at least. Not everybody. Miss Corbin, I'm so glad we found you. What's he doing here? Are you alright? I'm fine. He's harmless. Not how I'd like to be described. We just kind of... ran into each other. What's going on? Is everything alright? Did something happen? Everyone's fine, but your mother needs you and your brother back at Corbinick immediately. Nothing to be alarmed about. Okay... Let's go.
This is exactly why I don't like Sylvia wandering off. Dad told me you did the same thing when you were her age. That's not the point. Time and place, Adrian. This is neither. I don't like it when she wanders off either. I worry about her too. At least you were easy to track down. What's wrong? Something's up with my bracer. Nothing big. It just started getting... tingly, I guess? That's never happened before. I think that's where those clouds came from. Hope it doesn't mess up the street festival. Sil's really been looking forward to it. Well, so am I. I'm sure it'll be fine. Just concentrate. Remember what your father told you. He was so much better with this thing. You'd think I'd have the hang of it by now. It's been five years. You're doing fine. And I know it's a big responsibility. Don't let it get inside your head. You start second-guessing yourself, and the next thing you know, there's a poor harvest because there was too much rain. That never happened when he had the bracer. No, it didn't. But you've read the histories. The first few bearers, well, it was trial and error, with an emphasis on error. They had a lot on their minds. So do you. I know the kind of pressure you're under. Just being his son would have been hard enough. The bracer adds a whole new layer of pressure. You and the land are one. Yeah. You want a drink? I think that's a good idea. So, what's going on? Why all the secrecy? I'm sorry about that, but it's necessary. The reason I brought you two back here should be here momentarily. That's, uh, an odd way to put it. Diana and I found this dress. Sorry it took so long, it was hard to find something that fit. I hope it's alright. If it's not, I can- Perfect timing, my dear. And I couldn't have chosen a better dress for you. You look lovely. Uh, thank you. Please, come in. Would you like a drink? That would be brilliant. Thank you. This is my son, Adrian. Hi. Um, Adrian, this is our new guest. Uh, I'm Adrian. Uh, yes. What's your name? That's not important right now? Actually, I think I may be able to answer that question. I found this when I was changing. Isabel, please enjoy your stay. I hope you have the time to take in the sights while you're here. Victor. I don't know who Victor is, but I think that means my name is Isabel. It's very nice to meet you, Isabel. Adrian, can you get Isabel that drink? Uh, yeah. Yes, of course. I just have to get another glass. Can I help you with that? That would be great. What's going on? I don't know. I was hoping to wait for Sylvia. Hoping to wait for Sylvia for what? Ah, thank goodness you're here. Where have you been? I was worried. I thought you got kidnapped or something. Don't be so dramatic, Aid. I just took a walk. Did you think I was going to get abducted by Vale Wraiths? That's not funny. You know as well as I do that there are plenty of real dangers out there. We don't have to make them up. The scariest thing I saw was Eric Blackhawk. And he's like the least intimidating person in Grotzburg. Who's the new girl? I'm Sylvia. Sylvia Corbin. But you <laughs> probably guessed that second part. You're a tall drink of water, aren't you? Thought you were ASC when I walked in. Sylvia! AS what? 
A is she, you know, from the old legends. Tall, beautiful, lots of fun supernatural powers. Nothing? Huh. I guess you are new. Oh, too bad. I was going to see if you could fix this crick in my neck. Isabel is staying with us for a while. We don't quite know what happened, but she's lost her memory. We're going to take care of her and try to help her get it back. That's... um... very generous, Mom, but... Is this the right place to do that? And are we the right people? Surely the doctors, or even the augurs. Isabel, could you come here for a moment? I think it's time to show them. Show us what? Can you pull up your right sleeve? Of course. Is that? It can't be. You're sure she's not A as she? I'm frankly not quite sure of anything at this point. Well, that's not quite true. I'm quite sure that this changes everything. Oh, you think? Adrian, you are the son of Tristan Corbin. Start acting like it. I'm sorry, that was unfair. No, you're right. I wish that Dad was here and that he was wearing the bracer instead of me. He'd know what to do. He always knew what to do. But the thing I need to remember is that he wasn't born with the answers. He was probably as full of shit as I am when he was my age. If not more. So... What do we know? Not much. We know the bracers are reacting to each other, but it's going to take some time and experimentation to figure out how, as well as what, the implications are. We'll start working on that right away. Isabel, do you remember anything? The first thing I truly remember is waking up next to the... um... The veil. Right. The veil. Sorry. It's alright. This is all new to you. In any case, I don't remember anything prior to that. It doesn't fully make sense to me. I know how to speak, how to walk, I hear things or smell things, and I feel as though I know them, but I don't know from where. Yet I can't remember my name, where I'm from, who I am. <sighs> it's very frustrating. What about the ring on your finger? The only thing I know about it is that I feel as though I shouldn't take it off. Interesting. So it's clearly special to you, somehow. I wish I knew what that somehow was. We'll have the doctors and the augurs look at you. Come at it both physically and metaphysically. We'll need to control the narrative. Word is certainly going to spread, and if it doesn't spread in the way we need it to, there will at best be uncomfortable questions and... Possibly even panic. You're right. I already plan to speak with Elias about this as soon as I talk to you, so he hears it from me first. But the public may be a bigger concern. We'll need to come up with a backstory. An explanation for who she is and why no one's seen her around before. We don't get mysterious strangers around here, and that's going to raise a lot of suspicion. You're the experts. I'll go along with whatever you come up with. Given that I have no idea who I am, playing someone else shouldn't be much of a stretch. Hmm. Wait, I think I have an idea. I don't think that making you a Corbin would pass the proverbial sniff test. There's no way anyone from that line would just pop up out of nowhere. But there is another prominent family that I think we could use to build a backstory. How does Isabel Pandolfi sound to you, my dear?
Odessa! You're... here. Where else would I be? I thought you might take advantage of having the house all to yourself for a few days. <sighs> That's exactly why I'm here. Uh, I I'm sorry. That was insensitive. I, I, I was just... You're fine, Jess. What did I miss? It seems like everybody's wrapped up in this syndicate stuff, but there hasn't been a lot there for me to do. I've been analyzing some telemetry from Knight Jenkins' communications, but that's about it. I'm glad to be in the loop, but... But it's not exactly the most exciting assignment. I understand. The Brotherhood has never really had a formal intelligence division, even back at Lost Hills, so everyone's still kind of feeling their way around. But if there's one thing I know, one thing that never changes, Scribes are vital to everything the Brotherhood does. This is no exception. Thanks. That makes me feel better. But since I've had a little bit of downtime, I've been working on the receiver for the tracker in Beth's ring. I, I know we can't really test until she gets back, but I've been running some simulations and testing them with the original prototype. And they've been very promising. Oh, now you've got my attention. <laughs> I kept trying to get more signal out of the transmitter itself, but I basically got nowhere. I know that feeling. Beth and I worked for hours on trying to increase the output signal strength. The biggest problem is power. You can only fit so much battery in something that small. And beyond that, if you draw too much power, heat becomes a problem. I assume you'd prefer not to fry your fiancé's finger. That would not be ideal, no. <laughs> right. So, I thought back to the work I did last year with Scribe Hargrove on optimizing our receivers, so we could potentially re-establish regular communications with Lost Hills. How's that going, by the way? No luck so far. But our next communication test window isn't for another two weeks. So you decided to repurpose some of that equipment? Yes. It just temporarily. I, I hope that's okay. Of course it is. I trust you to make these kinds of decisions. You've earned that. It's nice to know that I can take a few days off or go on a mission and the Brotherhood is going to be in good hands. It wasn't always like that. Layla had Danny when we got here. And when he left, Knight Banks and Knight Merriweather were already in place as strong leaders. I didn't have a backup, so if anything happened to me... I'm glad nothing did. <laughs> me too. But now you're here, and you're already well beyond where I was at your age. <laughs> Stop it. I'm serious. You're already mentoring junior scribes. I wasn't doing that at your age. Nobody had to tell you to do it either. It just came naturally to you. And you're doing so well. I had a pretty good teacher. <laughs> Thanks. I did too. I think Scribe Takano would be very proud of you right now. I hope so. I know it wasn't realistic, but when I saw Derek, part of me hoped that she was with him. I wanted to show her everything we accomplished and tell her that she's as much a part of this as any of us. I'm sure Derek told her all about it when he got back. 
We spoke about that before he left. I wanted to make sure that he had sidebars with her and my parents. There were some things that he didn't want to put in his report, but that I wanted to make sure that they knew. The report made it clear that I'm healthy and that the expedition was successful and the Brotherhood in Appalachia was thriving. And that's the most important part. Without that, it would be highly unlikely that they'd grant us the autonomy we have earned. You wanted them to know that you're happy. Precisely. I'm glad that Beth and I got engaged before Derek left, so he could tell them. I can see why he wouldn't want to note that in his report. The personal lives of the Brotherhood personnel shouldn't be part of an official record like that. <sighs> That's true, but it's more than that. What do you mean? The Brotherhood is not supportive of relationships that can't provide offspring. They call them non-procreative relationships, and they are very strongly discouraged. To the point that I don't even know if my parents, hell, even Derek's parents, would have enough sway to allow one. But there are non-procreative relationships here at Fort Atlas. You and Beth weren't even the first. Paladin Romani made it tacitly clear that policy was not one that would be enforced here. And then she made it explicitly clear. But it still is at Lost Hills. It's 2107, for heaven's sake, not the Dark Ages. Are you serious? Very serious. The justification that Elder Maxin uses is that the Brotherhood's numbers are small, and as such, every member who can is obligated to procreate. I was, no, am, disgusted by it, and I think it harms the Brotherhood more than it helps. There are other ways to increase our numbers, and and we've proven that here. But what Elder Maxon says goes. Unfortunately, yes. The maddening part is that not everybody feels that way. I know that Derek's parents have tried to get him to change the policy, and they have the backing of the other council members, but he won't budge. I just wonder sometimes. It became moot because... Derek and I were the kind of relationship they approved of, but what would have happened if I'd fallen in love with someone else? What if Beth lived in California and not Appalachia? Would I have had to choose between her and the Brotherhood? I know what choice I would have made, but leaving the Brotherhood, leaving the only family I'd ever known would be heartbreaking, even though it would have been the right choice. Uh, I'm... Sorry. It's okay. All I can do is hope that they come to their senses. Even if it doesn't happen until after Maxon is gone, at least we've abandoned that policy here. Perhaps we can set an example that Lost Hills will follow. Eventually. That gives me even more motivation to get this communication array up and running. Not that I needed more, but... You know what I mean. <laughs> I do. So, would you like to run me through those simulations and show me what you've learned? I might be able to help. I am a pretty good assistant. Elena! I didn't expect to see you here today. <laughs> good morning to you, too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply. Good morning. 
Relax. This is a social call. A social call? Not with you. With your new guest. Isabel? Oh, Isabel. Yes, of course. We set her up in the suite upstairs, just like Mr. Scarlatti requested. Good. What do you think of her? I only spoke with her for a moment. And I'm asking you what your impression of her was in that moment. She was... nice. She seemed happy. Content, even. So, she's confident following our first meeting. That's good. Go on. Uh... she has a... I don't know how to describe it. Try. A regal bearing? It's not just the accent, either. It's the way she stands. The way she walks, her hair. Just everything about her. It's like she doesn't belong in the wasteland at all. <laughs> Perhaps she doesn't. Being that tall probably helps sell it. I assume she was wearing heels, but no. She was wearing flats. Never met a woman that tall. Calm down. <laughs> If you're going to pursue her romantically, do it after our business with her is concluded, please. I wasn't. Yes, you were. <laughs> but you may want to tread lightly. Based upon what I saw in our meeting yesterday, our Isabel is quite formidable. Someone like that can eat you alive before you know what's happening. I understand. Well, it's probably a moot point anyway. She doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's going to give up her jet-setting lifestyle to run an inn next to an old industrial site. Did she tell you about this jet-setting lifestyle? No, just seemed like a logical assumption. I think you're right for what it's worth. In any case, is she here? She hasn't come down for breakfast yet, but then I figured that might have been because she had a late night. Probably still in her room. A late night? What do you mean? She told Mara that she wanted to do a bit of exploring while she was in town. She left just after sunset. I wasn't back when I went to bed. Mara spoke with her as well? She did. They talked for quite a while after dinner. Fetch her for me, please. Of course. Good morning, Elena. Can I get you some breakfast? Perhaps in a bit. Your brother tells me you spoke with Isabel at some length yesterday. I did. She's a nice kid. Oh, and I had her try Mr. Orlov's vodka. She was polite, but I could tell she felt it could have been a little smoother. Well, a lot smoother. <laughs> oh, I agree. I told Dimitri as much, but perhaps another data point will help convince him to moderate its, uh... Bite. In any case, what did you discuss? She seemed very curious about the town. Its history and especially places to explore. I trust that you warned her away from the Trinity? I did, in no uncertain terms. Several times. And I gave her several alternative locations. Safe ones. I even popped them in her Pip-Boy and everything. Did she tell you where she got that Pip-Boy? It's quite heavily modified and very elegantly styled. I asked, but she said... How did she put it? 
that it's a story best left untold. I took that to mean she murdered someone for it. That would be my surmise as well. She strikes me as someone who has no compunction about taking what she wants. Something you should perhaps be mindful of, Stephen. What's she talking about? Nothing. Let's move on. Did she ask about any of us? Not really. She kind of took my temperature about what I thought of the three of you. But nothing all that meaningful. I'm sure she detected that you were only going to say good things and that it was not a productive avenue of conversation. Maybe. But really, it was just a little history lesson and then a bit of geography. Did you see her return from her excursion? No. Stephen was up later than I was. He didn't see her come in? No, he did not. Let's give Isabel a gentle wake-up call, hmm? She and I can discuss her... exploration over breakfast. Sure, right this way. Isabel? I'm sorry to disturb you, but you have a visitor. Thought you two might like to have breakfast together. You'll love my waffles. Isabel? It's Mara. I'm here with Elena. She came by to see you. I think she might have some ideas for new places to explore. What? Just roll with it. Isabel? Are you alright? Is she even in there? She could be in the bathroom, but no, I don't hear the shower running. Should we go in? I would really prefer not to. What if she's in there getting dressed? She could be hurt or incapacitated. Why? How? Just open the door. <sighs> okay. Isabel, it's Elena. Are you here? Huh. She's not here. The bed's still made. She must not have come back last night. Could she have left again early this morning? It's possible, but unlikely. I was up at 4am waiting for a delivery, and I was in the lobby the whole time. I would have seen her. Are these all of her things? I... I think so. So, she likely did not take a quick trip back home to prepare for the demonstration she promised. And you're sure you dissuaded her from visiting the Trinity? Absolutely. I told her how dangerous it is. Oh, Mara, that is the worst thing you could have told someone like her. You might as well have told her it was a ghost story. Um, well... You're fortunate Mr. Scarlatti didn't come calling instead of me. Let us not jump to any undue conclusions. I'm going to take this opportunity to gather some intel on our mysterious potential partner. And then you and I are going to sit down over breakfast and you will tell me every location you told her about. I will quietly have those areas searched. If I find nothing, well, then I suppose it will be necessary to visit the Trinity myself. If Mr. Scarlatti or anyone else asks, you will tell them that she left, but asked that the room be held for her, and left her things because she was coming back. Do you understand? I understand. Don't worry, Mara. I have every confidence that Isabel is quite alright. Wherever she may be. And that we'll see her soon.
Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 2, Wherefore We Are Lost, was produced and directed by Brad Williams and written by D.K. Trueno. Starring Letitia Lemon as Elizabeth Kirby and Vitriol Plays as Odessa Valdez. Also starring Ash Albiniak as Louisa Corbin, Marnie Warner as Sylvia Corbin, and George Betancourt as Adrian Corbin. Featuring Summer Lynn Rose as Scribe Jessica Navia, Jeremy Tucker as Sheriff John Stone, Sean Madsen as Deputy Eamon Byrne, Justine Leah Hintz as Elena Sorokin, Walter Mack as Eric Blackhall, Justice Margofsky as Stephen, Beck Hughes as Mara, and Chris Mooring as Grotzberg Guard. Opening narration by Ashley Sacon. I'm Kirsty Harrison. Please join us for our next episode, Season 3, Episode 3, Whence Twofold Grief. If you love anime and D&D, check out Warlock. It's the story of me, Nova Ravenwood, a young woman born without magic who forms a pact with a mysterious being for power. Set in a fantasy world of adventure, dragons, and powerful sorcerers, the story unfolds like an anime for your ears. And don't forget about our muscular hunk of a classmate, me, Ren. Too bad this is audio only, otherwise you could see that I'm flexing my arms off over here. Are you seriously interrupting the ad? You moron! Sorry, we'll get out of your way. Wait, 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 hang on. I haven't even told them about my amazing powers. I guess I should describe myself a little bit more first. First thing, I don't wear a shirt. Thanks, Briar! Join the quest and listen to Warlock wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit warlockpod.com for more information. I'm Brad Williams, the creator of Once Upon a Wasteland. We'd like to thank you for joining us for the second episode of our third season, and we hope that you'll continue to join us as we follow Beth and Odessa's journey toward Happily Ever After. I'd like to give a shout-out to our patrons over on Patreon, Jessica Burson, Don McCormick, and Vitriol. Thank you all for your support. If you'd like to support the show, you can find details at patreon.com slash onceuponawasteland. For more information on our show, visit our website, onceuponawasteland.com, where you'll find show information, scripts for each episode, artwork, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at onceupon76pod, Blue Sky at onceuponawasteland.com, and on Instagram and threads at onceuponawasteland. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review, which helps other listeners find us, and we hope you'll subscribe as well. Word of mouth is vitally important, so please, tell your friends. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter or via email at brad at onceuponawasteland.com. Thank you. It's the last days of summer, 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll be... Ah! Oh, God! Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no! I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? 
Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh, <laughs> okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? <laughs> now, a boy scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? Your boy to die. What is that thing? Is this the witch's library? I'm gonna kill you! Not tonight! Roger, make him stop! No! You watch! Run away, little ones. I'm so hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and at CthulhuMystery.com. All the, all the outs and free, all the outs and free. <laughs>